0: so dad's right now i'm actually recording so we'll do this ad- introduction again <laughs> uh yeah episode 66 it's season i think i think four i think we're calling it four episode who knows Yeah, i used to know i don't know anymore well it's been a little bit since our last one and really not much is going on yeah no it's a uh, boring it's, world
1: it's i don't even know why we're doing a
0: podcast yeah <laughs> just to say hi people uh, must miss our voices <laughs>
1: It's uh, it's crazy. Um, you know, it should I, I, be
0: I... better listening for them because we've got, I've got the setup now. I've got you going through the board again, so it should be a little bit easier on your ears.
1: Nice. This is that. That's really why we're doing it now, because to make up uh, for the for the poor recording quality last time. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I feel like we've settled kind of into like one a month. Um, not necessarily one like every thirty days, but like one within the frame of each month, roughly. Uh, but apparently, it's insane how much can happen in less than a month. Yeah, uh, things got busy, um, and so uh, I, I, I just feel like you know I was um, obviously I think top top of the mind, biggest thing we have to talk about uh, is the invasion of Ukraine. And I made a little document for myself to, like, make all the points I was going to touch on. Um, and uh, we're in week two of the invasion of Ukraine. And I was going to start with, like, a, like a recap of th- everything that's happened since day one. And I was starting to scroll through it. And it's just too much. It is too much to possibly go through. And we're only on, I think, today's day 10 or eleven. So much has happened in a little under two weeks, um, and uh, so I think, and I think by and large, we we most people, unless you're living under a rock, you know Russia's invaded Ukraine. Um, it's sort of the top story everywhere still. Um, so I don't. I mean, unless you disagree, I don't think we should through uh everything that's happened so far but can sort of give like a rundown of where we are today and maybe some of the big events that have happened so far yeah that's kind of what i have
0: no that's fine and i think i i don't yeah i mean it's war a lot of crap happens for sure oh you've disappeared are you there he is not there hold on um all right he's back he was frozen i was frozen apparently on his screen he just disappeared from ours but we're back And I was about to say, say? I was about to say, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's war. I don't think you can go over every single thing that happened. It's been a lot of, uh, pretty crazy stuff. I think the highlights and some of the reactions. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, there's a lot. I don't know if highlights Um, is the right word. It's not like a sports package.
1: Key moments.
0: Yeah, that's better.
1: Um, yeah, there's not really a playback reel. Uh, so, I mean... It's kicked off. February 24th is when Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, there were... It, it's it's interesting because, you know, there was so much, like, gathering tension before that. And there was so much, is Russia going to invade Ukraine? It looks like Russia's going to invade Ukraine, but maybe not. And I, I really started to feel like we were de-escalating. Did you? And then... I did. I I, I thought that it looked like Russia might be open to diplomacy, or at least we were at a lower tension part of maybe the waves that were going to lead up, and then they invaded Ukraine. Yeah. Like, I I just... For me, it was weird because it didn't feel like the day they were going to do it.
0: Well, if you're going to start a war, that's probably when you want to do it.
1: Yes. Um... And uh, I remember that day, my roommate and I were just glued to um, the broadcast I had pulled up on my phone when we were watching Al Jazeera's broadcast on my phone. Um, and some of the images are, were insane of the explosions and the invasion. And today, I mean, still you're getting incredible images. Um, so if we go through some of the some of the big things, um, a few days ago, on March second, um, the Ukrainian city of and I may not be saying this right, Kursan fell, um, which has so far been the biggest Russian victory. Um, that's it's Ukraine's like ninth or tenth largest city, um, but that was the biggest one so far, um, and I think that that really says a lot because from what everything i can tell everything i've read suggests that russia thought it was going to be an easy victory
0: yeah i think they thought they could walk in there and take over pretty quickly based on eh, just the number of people the number the volume yeah, discrepancy well, and I mean, and also just their arms i mean they have a lot more weapons at their disposal
1: yeah, Russia is Europe's largest military. It's the fourth largest military in the world. Uh, I, I understand why they thought it was going to be easy, but it hasn't been.
0: No, Ukraine's been. Well, it's, it's amazing. I think you know when you're when you have something to fight for, you tend to fight a bit harder. You know, what I mean, and I they're, think, they're fighting to defend yeah. their homeland, and I, I think you're probably. I I don't know. Maybe the Russian sh- soldiers believe that, you know, the, the line that Putin's selling about Ukrainians, you know, crucifying children and whatnot, but but they're probably going in there because it's their job and they're likely to get killed if they don't. So there's yeah. a lot less to fight for. Yeah, I, I've heard
1: um, that, you know, the Russian soldiers have been largely lied to and they were told when they first went in that they were going to be, like, greeted with open arms and it was going to be, um, you know, quick in and out. Um, and uh, and I've heard reports of Russian soldiers being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't even know who I'm supposed to shoot. They look and sound just like us. And, um, uh, like, I, I think a lot, at least certainly at the lower levels, yeah, the Russians, they don't have... Um, a lot of vigor in the fight. Um, I mean, what's incredible to me is, you know, there's this 65 kilometer long military convoy that has been on its way to the capital city of Ukraine. It's a Russian convoy for a few days now, 65 kilometers long. That's huge. That is a lot of military equipment and personnel. And they haven't been able to reach the capital yet because they keep getting delayed and stuck by just average Ukrainian citizens standing up to them.
0: Yeah. Well, the um, the uh, I don't know, it was. Uh, did you see the John Oliver thing on this? Yeah. You see the. Uh, um. He was talking to somebody on Fox, and they're like, "Well, I don't know why a Western country doesn't just." bomb the convoy and just, you know, just don't just don't tell them it was you. <laughs> like house is, yeah, yeah, Russian, Russia doesn't have video surveillance and stuff like that. They would never know where the bomb came from.
1: Did you, did you hear that at some point uh, Trump was talking to somebody and he floated the plan of slapping the Chinese flag on a bunch of u.s jets going and bombing russia blaming the chinese and then just let the two duke it out while the u.s sits back and watches
0: no but it doesn't surprise me
1: (laughs) doesn't surprise me either and yet still i have to laugh at the insanity of it like a how much human suffering do you want to cause and b you think they're not going to be able to see through that? You think they're not going to track where the jets
0: came from? There's a Chinese flag. They took off off an American yeah, like, uh, aircraft carrier. Doesn't matter. Chinese flag. Yeah. Definitely like, Chinese. The extent
1: of Russian surveillance is just guys looking up at the sky. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah, it's insane. Um, anyway, uh, Russia's been accused of war crimes throughout this attack, um, including bombing 18 hospitals so far, including a maternity hospital today, Um, lots of civilian deaths, which is tragic, Um, and the International Criminal Court is launching an investigation, which, uh, who cares, nothing will come of it. I mean, even if they find Russia guilty, okay, I'm sure they are
0: nothing happens. Well, the I think it's if if you think they're if you think they're committing war crimes then I think you got to do it regardless. But but uh yeah, they were saying another thing John Oliver said is, you know, they they're like, "Oh, we didn't bomb hospitals." It's like, "Well, there's video. Yes, you did. <laughs> it's right there." And that's the
1: I mean, I feel like Russia has to keep up some pretenses for its few foreign allies, but mostly it has to keep up pretenses for its citizenry.
0: Well, yeah, but luckily for Russia, I think they block a lot of this stuff, so its citizenry doesn't see the same video we see. I-
1: exactly. And, and But things still creep in, although Russia's been cracking down because um, there has been... Steep Russian resistance to this war. Yeah, lot, people protesting.
0: Protests, well, because a lot of people have great. relatives.
1: Yeah, it's it's a huge thing to do in Russia. You know, you can. It's not like a country where you can go and sit in the nation's capital in your big trucks and honk for two weeks straight before you face any consequences.
0: Did you? Uh, did you? The other John, I think it was John Oliver, the bit where he played them. Like the the spy talking with Putin and Putin just like slapped him down. That's not what we're talking about here. What do you want to say? It's like,
1: no, I oh, totally yeah. support
0: you. Yeah. 100% behind yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. He first said maybe we should try diplomacy one more time. And Putin gets this sort of smirk on his face. And if you haven't seen the John Ol- that John Oliver, it's worth watching.
1: It is. I think it's the first one of the new season. Was it? I, I guess. Think
0: so. it, uh, maybe. There's only
1: been three episodes
0: yeah I thought it was the second, but it could have been the first.
1: Maybe it's just, no, I, I think the first thing he does is talk about Ukraine.
0: Yeah, no, I just didn't know how far along it was at that point. yeah.
1: um I would say though, um you know the, the uh, outside of just the war being scary, the other big, scary things are uh, there was fighting around a nuclear power plant, which seems like something that we all should have known to avoid from the beginning. Like, especially the Russians. Was <laughs> that Chern- Chernobyl again? <laughs> no, it was a different one. Um, and the Russians took it over, but then there was a fire which scared everybody, and luckily, they managed to put it out before disaster. So that happened. But now there is fighting around Chernobyl.
0: well it's and it's, it's not it's like, not actually running anymore. Is it Chernobyl? Yeah, it's not up again. It's not up and running again.
1: No, it's not running because it's still radiating from when it blew up. Yeah, so it's just a big steel thing is constructed around it to contain the radiation. But like it is still producing a deadly amount of radiation. It's just contained. But there's fighting around Chernobyl and there was a power outage and they were able to get the power back up before anything disastrous happened. But now Ukraine is like, okay, if you're not just going to leave the country, please at least stop fighting around Chernobyl. Please don't open up Chernobyl again. We don't need that. That nobody wins. Nobody wins when the nuclear power plant blows up.
0: It's probably worse for Russia because they have a lot of people there. Like Ukraine. Chernobyl's in Ukraine. I know. But, I mean, the army.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I I would say another um, star, that seems like an insensitive word to use, Um, I'll just say Ukrainian President Zelensky has been doing, has been a fantastic wartime leader.
0: Yeah, that, uh, I need, I need bullets, I need ammo, not a ride. Yeah. That's an awesome line. Uh, That's like that action hero there, stuff.
1: He's been fighting on the front line with his troops, um, refused multiple attempts at evacuation. Not what I would expect from the man who before being president of Ukraine his main job was playing the president of Ukraine in a series of comedic Ukrainian movies.
0: Yeah, he was a stand-up comic too. Yeah, Yeah. So I was not expecting
1: this from him,
0: but good Lord, as he stepped up. Yeah. That's the, uh, what is it? Fight or flight? He, he, he's fighting. That's good.
1: Yeah. He's, he's standing his ground. He is refusing to surrender. Um, he, he, he passed an order where, um, all Ukrainian men ages 18 to 60 have to stay in the country and fight. um, I can see why he did that. I'm generally against uh, forcing people to fight, but, uh, but, uh, but, but overall been a fantastic wartime leader. Um, um, he's, uh, it, you know, his pleas to allies, um, the solidarity, the refusing to back down again in face of Europe's biggest army, and I think that's probably helped galvanize Ukrainian citizens and to, to fight against.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, For sure. If he actually, left, it w- I'm sure it would have been a bit like, well, why are we sticking around? Yeah. If He's out, I'm so, out. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Um, I don't know how it's going to end. But I, I mean, long term... Ukraine can't beat Russia. If, no,
0: not without not without outside help.
1: Yeah. So push comes to shove. If Russia really wants to win, they can. But I think that doesn't mean they will because the Ukrainians are doing a very good job at making... The cost of victory as high as it can be, and I think at a certain point it's possible if they can manage to resist for long enough that it's just no longer worth it for Putin.
0: Yeah, especially with all the sanctions and that, and his
1: well ex- exactly oligarchs Both, like,
0: turning in, against him?
1: Yeah, in cost of you know, like what is this war costing Putin so far? Um, uh, over I think I read over ten thousand troops. Um hundreds of uh, war machines and dozens of fighter jets. Um, it is costing him his public opinion in his own country, um, protests like he's never seen, um, sanctions from across the world that are going to harm him economically the likes of Russia has never seen already. Some of the you know oligarchs we keep hearing about um, are saying maybe we should go through peace, um, Massive companies are suspending all operations in Russia, like uh, Visa, MasterCard, and another big one which are huge for um, you know working in, in the country and how Russians trade money. They're getting um, embargoed on oil and gas, which is a huge part of their economy, a very important pipeline that was going to go to Germany was just cancelled. Um, just a huge, huge sanctions. Um, And internationally it's costing them um, a lot of you know Russia I wouldn't say has been hasn't been respected on the world stage but they had some friendly Western countries like Germany was kind of friendly with them um, and they've lost that now they have forced countries to take hard lines and it's gonna have a lot of uh, problems down in the future and, you know, at a certain point, I feel like even the, mil- the military might be less enthusiastic about this.
0: Maybe. The, the, the interesting thing on the sanctions, apparently he's just spent the last decade or so just prepping for to be able to withstand Western sanctions.
1: And they say that, you know, they say they have enough buyers um, uh, for their oil without it. And maybe that's true, but I think long term, no matter how much he's cracked long term, eventually there will be there will crack. There will there will crack. There will be a crack where Russia can no longer withstand um the sanctions
0: maybe although you know if he's got if he's trading with china that's a pretty big market
1: yeah that's true i don't know we'll see it, it i certainly it's already cost putin more than he was planning for i think though
0: probably i mean i don't know maybe i think you uh, what well, hope for the best plan for the worst so if he was i mean he may have sort of worst-case scenarioed it. Possibly. But who knows?
1: I, I guess, you know. Time oh, or,
0: or he's, a, you know, he, probably not, actually. You know, you've, you've seen the pictures of him, like, riding shirtless horses and when, playing hockey, and he gets, like, 10 goals and all this stuff. So probably he didn't plan for the worst. He probably thought this will be a piece of cake.
1: <laughs> yeah, time time will tell he's already had to send in some reservists and conscripts to the country, which is something he said he didn't do, but turns out he did. Um, so it's interesting. We'll see. Yeah. Um, the U S uh, Zelensky has been pushing hard for the establishment of a no fly zone around Ukraine. Um, that NATO put in a no fly zone. Um, The U.S. and the U.K. have come out as strong opponents to this, um, saying that it would bring NATO essentially into the war. Um, And the U.S. and the U.K. also strongly rejected um, Poland's offer to send fighter jets to Ukraine, citing essentially the same thing, that um, it would pull NATO into the war. And, um, you know, there's been lots of approval for aid. Canada has, you know, sent over lots of lethal and non-lethal aid. Um, the U.S. House just passed a bill, um, 13.6 billion dollars for Ukrainian aid, 6.5 to the Pentagon for military assistance, and about 6.7 to care for refugees and provide economic aid to its allies. Um, and it's looking like that's just going to be a start. But, you know, Biden's constantly drawn the line at actually involving military soldiers you know like we will not send we, we can we'll send equipment but we won't send people to fight for Ukraine
0: what's the difference between that and and the jets that Poland wanted to send um if they're not sending pilots with him
1: I I don't know to be honest
0: did they? Um, did they? they could uh, scrape the Polish flag off.
1: <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. Um, I maybe it's um, maybe maybe the fact that Russia has such an air dominance. Biden feels that allowing Ukraine to challenge that would piss Russia off more than just sending equipment. I don't Maybe.
0: know. I guess, although, if you don't have the jets, you probably don't have the pilots, so you probably need probably need to uh, send some pilots, too.
1: Yeah, I... Um... It, it, it's an interesting... Yeah,
0: um... Be my Colt guess, Pentagon anyway.
1: The Polish proposal to transfer Soviet airplanes to Kyiv via U.S. base in Germany is untenable. Um... I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't know why. It's. uh, Because it wasn't their idea? Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: Oh, um, the prospect, uh, Pentagon spokesperson said the prospect of the jets flying from a U.S. NATO base into airspace that is contested with Russia over Ukraine raises serious concerns for the NATO alliance.
0: So Um, drag them over the border. Yeah. Like, ship them on trucks. Though so I guess then they could be pretty easily blown up.
1: Yeah. And then, as soon as. You know, if the Russians take them out before they get there, it's an attack on a NATO country and then NATO's in the war.
0: Yeah, but if right? you just wait till they're just over the border and then blow them up, that's. And it would be relatively easy to do if they're just on trucks. Probably.
1: Yes. Um, and Moscow has said supporting Ukraine's Air Force would be seen as participating
0: in the conflict.
1: Okay, so I sort of understand, but still, meh.
0: Nah. You can help them um, on the ground, but you can't help them in the air.
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, so... The UN has said that so far, um, two million refugees have fled the country. Um, this number increases by thousands every day. Um, a lot, most have gone into Poland, though they've been fleeing through to every border, depending I guess what they're closest to, but most are going through Poland. Um, I was listening to a podcast uh, today where a National Post reporter was on the ground at the Polish checkpoints and talking about what he was seeing. Um, it was quite heartbreaking. But some of the good news is, um, for example, you know, in Poland, there's there's no limit on the amount of food a Ukrainian refugee can access in the camps because Polish citizens are continuously just bringing trays of food and other essentials to the camps and donating them.
0: Yeah, and that's some... They make some good food over there, too. Probably lots of pierogies and lots of sausages. <laughs> Be yummy.
1: Yeah, so that, that you know, that just kind of human kindness is, is um, you know, fantastic to see. Um, the downside of that, um, um, a lot of people have been drawing a stark contrast, and this is not... Um, you know, it's great. Of course we should be bringing in Ukrainian refugees, and Poland is doing a fantastic job in in the kindness they're showing Ukrainians, and I'm not criticizing that. But there is an obvious contrast between how they're treating the Ukrainian refugees and just a few weeks before this started, when they were using their military to turn away Middle Eastern refugees violently from their border. and there's just there's an obvious contrast there, and I don't think it takes a genius to wonder what the difference is between those two types of refugees. This is not I'm not saying that they should stop how they're treating Ukrainian refugees. I'm not. I don't think it takes away from the fantastic kindness that they're showing Ukrainian refugees, but it's maybe something to parse out more after this
0: crisis is over. Um, yeah, other- I, I don't know much about the the first bit i didn't hear about that but
1: it was well and that's the other thing you know how is the reporting of how poland's handling refugees when it's ukrainian refugees versus when it's middle eastern refugees and it shows you know i think where we place our care and what, what's the difference
0: it's well the war not the is the difference the
1: conversation but something i think worth parsing out once it's done
0: yeah i i um, I don't know. I, it feels like there might be a difference. Like, fleeing war. I don't. There's not a war in the Middle East, but I guess maybe they're prosecuted. Who's ever fleeing? There's I'm not quite sure. a
1: few Middle Eastern countries that are under well, a lot are,
0: of... They're always, they're always almost at war, but I don't think there's an act of war right now.
1: Um, there is in Yemen.
0: So they were turning like- away people from Yemen?
1: I am not I'm not sure entirely. Um but there's still conflict in Syria, there's conflict in Yemen. Uh Yemen is being bombed by the US and Saudi Arabia pretty much 24/7. Um Yeah, it, there are certainly conflicts. Um I- even if there's no boots on the ground, there are US driven conflicts in the Middle East right now, quite a few. Um another uh, an interesting not so good thing that's happening at the border um i didn't know this did you know that um a lot of pe- people from india go to ukraine for medical school no yeah it, it it's it's uh uh both cheaper and better in ukraine apparently and huh. so a lot of Indians I
0: i thought i thought india ukraine had some perhaps. good medical medical schools but
1: maybe it's just cheaper, I don't know, but, but but apparently a lot of Indians
0: go to Ukraine for medical
1: school. Huh. Um, which means there's a lot of Indians in Ukraine, and they are also fleeing. Um, the Indian government was slow, very slow, to organize a sort of evacuation of their people, and arguably just did it because it was going to cost them a lot politically to not um but when it came to um the UN vote to condemn the Russian attack on Ukraine, India abstained. Um so as and, and Ukrainians didn't like that.
0: Yeah, I Which, suddenly think their tuition's gonna go up.
1: Yeah, and that I mean I understand why they didn't like that um but now as you know a lot of indians are trying to flee ukraine they are being turned back by ukrainian border guards and there are reports of them being told um go get help from your friend mr putin
0: yeah that's not right either it's not it's not them that it's not those people that abstained
1: yeah, it is certainly not right, um, and I understand the hurt, but we are not like the Indians in Ukraine cannot control what the Modi government does. Even, I mean, the, Indians go in, the, even the Indians,
0: even the Indians in India can't can't control it. And as you, yeah, you can only control it at election time. Yeah. If this becomes that big an issue, but.
1: But yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, that's not, not acceptable. And, um, I'm hoping that.
0: Bit surprising that India did that. I mean, they normally side with the West over Russia.
1: Normally, I, I think they don't want to piss Russia. And Modi is kind of, you know, he's pretty Trumpian and, and. Buddies with authoritarian, so I think he's more friendly with Russia than most countries. Um, I was very happy to see China abstain on that vote, rather than vote uh, with Russia. Yeah, exactly. I I never expected them to vote against Russia, but their abstention to me makes me happy. It makes me feel good that if this escalated, China might sit out.
0: No, uh, it's, I don't think, it's about money. If they voted that it, oh, don't worry about it, then you wouldn't have to just sanction Russia, you'd have to sanction China as well. Well, oh, and,
1: I, and I know it's about, it's absolutely about money, you're right. And I think about money is why that if this escalated into a larger war, China would sit out.
0: China's a new Switzerland?
1: They're, Well, in a way, I mean, they're sitting pretty right now, China. They're doing very well the way the international order is. And I imagine um, they wouldn't want to. Sure, if they entered the war on Russia's side, they'd probably win. But it would cost them a lot. Whereas if they sat out and let NATO win, they would they would lose almost nothing
0: yeah the russian market i guess
1: which is nothing compared to the nato
0: market probably not as far as manufactured goods
1: yeah um so i i I, that that gave me you know some hope um yeah so you know things in ukraine they're desperate right now but the 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 will of the ukrainian people is amazing um the, the way they're holding out against insurmountable laws is amazing um I have hope for them, I, I, I hope things turn well for them, and um, all power to them. Um, there is a clear aggressor in this war, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you can absolutely justify, just, justly criticize U.S. imperialism. Um, I, I don't trust the U.S., as a foreign policy actor much more than I try to test Russia maybe just a smidge depending on who's in charge um, but none of that justifies um, a, a Russian invasion of Ukraine none of that justifies violating sovereign territory and um, you know, none of it justifies the horrific war crimes That Putin is carrying out in Ukraine.
0: Well, alleged war crimes. He might be listening.
1: (laughs) I don't think uh, the way sanctions are right now. I feel like if he tried to take legal action, we'd be okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, you know who we should take legal action against? I think is these gas companies that raise the price by twenty cents. um, They're like because of the war, which is total BS. How long? how long before that oil gets into the pump months well that's the i mean all and then and then and then saying you know oh oh you know we just got to pitch in a bit for ukraine trying to pull on your heartstrings it's just going into the pockets of the imperial oils people the the bp the shell they're just they're making a killing right now
1: absolutely that that is You know, I I feel like a lot of governments, especially people like Biden and Trudeau, are taking a lot of political hit for this. But it's not them. It's not the war. It's not their policies. It is the fact that every time something big happens to the oil market, gas companies raise their prices. Using that as justification, even though you're right... It would actually take months for it to hit, and 100%, they raise it more than the actual cost. And what you'll notice is gas prices rarely, very rarely, go down. Well, they don't go down as fast, that's for sure. Yeah, so they raise it, right, and then they get people acclimatized to it, and they're making a killing, and then when, you know, oil price goes down... It doesn't track with that. They just continue to make even more of a killing.
0: They drop. They'll drop it a bit, but they don't drop it as much as it goes down. And then next time it goes up, they'll raise it again, so that you know, you let's say let's say ten years ago, if it's a hundred dollars a barrel, they're charging a buck a liter. Now at a hundred dollars a barrel, they're charging a buck fifty liter. Now at one hundred and fifty, they're charging two bucks a liter. So let's say it drops back down to one twenty or one ten. They'll go down to say one fifty, and then next time it comes up again, they'll be at two twenty or two thirty, and it's it's the same price of oil as it was the year before. The wages don't go up that much, like their costs don't go up that much. It's it's borderline war profiteering at this point.
1: It is, and and uh, I think I I think that it's time for some government intervention, at where they cap how much the like how much they can be making at this point because they are taking advantage of a crisis and they're taking advantage of the citizenry
0: and the other thing that i cannot believe that they cannot prove is collusion when you get when you hear the news the day before that gas at every single station is going up tomorrow by 12 cents a liter isn't that enough they're colluding. Like other companies
1: are working together. They're yet? working
0: together to create a monopoly. Everybody needs gas in the economy we're in right now, except for the 50 people that have fully electric cars. Yeah. Everybody else needs gas in the economy we're in. They have there's no way you can't buy it. So in that sort of marketplace, it just needs to be a bit more regular. It's, it's not, you know, people are like, "Oh, capitalism, free market." It's not. It's not. In a free market, it's it, you don't have something that you must buy. Right? You don't you don't need to buy sneakers. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't need to buy Nike's. You can buy, you know, what at knockoffs. You need shoes, but there's lots of options and people make more expensive shoes and more and cheaper shoes. All the gas is the same price at every company. That how is that possible? Yeah, give or take 3 cents
1: yeah. and the time of day.
0: Yeah. It's
1: yeah, absolutely. There is no it's similar how there's no you know free market when it comes to telecoms in it, canada In yeah in canada um or or water like it's just things you need to function in a
0: modern society yeah well or live water's yeah. not water's not really that expensive but
1: no, but but it is one of those things where they can almost charge you as much as they want.
0: Yeah, but they don't because it's regul it's it's regulated I'm assuming, but it's run by the government, right?
1: And 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 gas needs more of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I the other thing is how much like you wish you could go back sort of 70 years and say, "Hey, maybe it's a good idea to keep the Alberta uh the oil from Alberta in Canada and maybe become self-sufficient for oil for the next 100 years."
1: Or, I mean, go back thirty, forty years and start a nice, slow-paced transition away from oil and gas.
0: Yeah, that's going to be tough. But either way,
1: it's going to be tough, and it's getting more tough. Every we wasted, year, we
0: wasted we it do. there. We wasted the Alberta oil like it's owned they're all they're all owned by american companies there's no canadian company there pumping the oil and and then we sell it all and then we buy back oil at at a higher price it makes no sense
1: no it doesn't yeah it doesn't make sense um we we we're getting destroyed by america when it comes to our natural resources water oil we we let them in and now there's no getting rid of them
0: the the water is the one that really bugs me too you want water fine uh you you can't buy it for pennies for millions of liters and sell it at, you know, three dollars for five hundred mils.
1: Yeah. It's 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 ridiculous. Um I, I just wanted to um touch on you know, gas is one of the international uh things happening as um even though it's not like a direct result of the conflict in Ukraine. That's the excuse that's being used. Um, the other interesting thing, though, is it's already um, kind of reshaping Europe. Um, and there's two big things for this. Um, or about three. Switzerland has taken the hardest stance it's ever taken against a country during a conflict. Yeah, I love that. Um, which is not very hard a stance when you look at it. They're just not letting Russians use Switzerland to escape EU sanctions.
0: Um, yeah, they've picked this side and they normally don't. Good for them.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Sweden is doubling its defense spending as a result because they're so close to Russia.
0: As a result of what's happening in Ukraine? Yeah, but who wants Sweden? Who's going to attack the Swedes?
1: <laughs> um, Germany is significantly ramping up its policy, its military spending, as well in the type of policy move that hasn't been seen in Germany since the end
0: of World War II. Because they weren't allowed.
1: They largely weren't allowed, and then and then you know West Germany was kind of allowed, and actually for a long time its European allies have been pushing Germany to spend more. And Angela Merkel was like, oh, we'll get to 2% of GDP by 2024. And then later she said, no, we won't make that target. And now the new chancellor, Olaf Scholz, who is to the left of Angela Merkel and leads kind of a, you know, he has the Greens in his coalition, which are also to, way to the left of Angela Merkel, but also the, another party that's closer. Anyway, um, it's a generally more left-wing government than Angela Merkel was leading and they're saying, we're going to get to more than 2% of our GDP um, invest in our military in, you know, I, I don't remember the timeline, but way sooner, you know, in a much shorter crunch than Angela Merkel was going. It's a huge ramp up. It's a total reversal of their foreign policy as they're you know um, cutting ties with Russia. It's big. Um, and then, interestingly, public opinion in Finland and Sweden has swung towards joining NATO for the first time ever. Um, gov- their governments are still rejecting joining NATO because they worry it will destabilize Northern Europe because, as we've seen in Ukraine, Russia is so opposed to the expansion of NATO. But um, public opinion, I mean, that might affect the next election. They might elect the government that wants to join NATO. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I'm seeing a lot of criticism of NATO um, coming from this, um, especially from the left, but even from the right, calling it imperialist, saying that Putin has legitimate security concerns by having so many NATO countries right on the border. I don't know. I will admit I don't know exactly how NATO operates. I don't know the
0: technical details. Who said that Russia has legitimate securities concerns? Um, Trump, a bunch of people on the right,
1: as well as Tulsi Gabbard, who's a Democrat. Um, and then there's just stuff you see on some left wing, like far left wing Twitter.
0: That is so bizarre. What it is? So so. Let's expand our borders. Is that the answer? You still bordering on NATO, like that's just dumb
1: yeah I I I think I mean I don't think Russia wants to envelop Ukraine I think their goal is to impose a friendly government like they did
0: in Belarus
1: yeah um, but if NATO is just a defensive pact and as what I think it should be and it's boots in our country from a foreign nation is an attack on everybody then nobody should have security concerns about that unless you were planning to invade a country yeah is not good
0: yeah i guess you could say the same about russia why do you need to be so why do you need to be in nato um, you know, we're not going to invade you, you're not going to invade us. We're just neighbors about who about, about Ukraine.
1: So then why if they're just neighbors, why does Russia care? Unless they're
0: planning to They cuz they, dis- a- they distrust NATO as much as we just distrust Russia. Well, I'm assuming. I mean, otherwise it doesn't make a lot of sense. Otherwise NATO is just effectively Whatever country you're butting up against, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, I. I but just it, think- there's got to be a distrust that it's not a defensive pact. So, at some point, they'll attack. True, uh, I, uh, but um. But I don't. I don't think. I don't believe that. That's not what I believe. I'm just saying that's what Putin must the be thinking. Would be, or at yeah. least, or or he's not. But that's the argument that he's using. Because NATO's NATO's not gonna attack. NATO's not. He's just a strong man. Yeah. Um Nobody wants a war. Yeah,
1: and the stronger NATO is, the, the weaker a position, you know. Russia can't bully countries that are in NATO as hard as they can countries that are
0: out of NATO. Yeah. That's what it is.
1: Yeah. Um and lastly, uh, on Ukraine, and then there's one more thing I really want to talk about. Um, Canada has said it's going to accept an unlimited number of Ukrainian refugees and it's opening, um, it, it's easing a lot of visa requirements for people to come and work. Um, but the problem is they all have to be Ukrainian citizens. And we're already talking about, you know, the amount of Indians that are fleeing the country because of the war. But, uh, I don't understand why this is only Ukrainian citizens. That seems to leave out a significant amount of people who are
0: fleeing war. Wouldn't it be mostly Ukrainian citizens? It would be mostly Ukrainian citizens,
1: sure, but not all. And why should we leave out the thousands of people who were in Ukraine at the time who just aren't citizens. Maybe they're permanent residents. But they're not citizens.
0: Well, I think I think there's a couple different things. I think get them out of there, bring them here, and then deal with it on a case by case basis. But I get how you can't just all of a sudden. Then, you know, technically Russia could send some people over in disguise. And, you know what I mean? Some sure. agents. Okay. Like,
1: if, and, the, you know, the article I read, it's not entirely clear. If. They're, if we've gotten them out of Ukraine, sure. Let's let's maybe be a little more careful. As long as they're out, as long as we've gotten them out of harm's way, yeah. You know, I, I, unlike what we did in Afghanistan, where we just left people there while the Taliban took over, and then we ran out of time and thousands of people were just left behind. So I, I, I that's why I just don't trust. Our government on
0: this because
1: we just saw them completely bungle it
0: yeah absolutely and that wasn't that long ago no
1: um okay so that's i think ukraine anything else to say on ukraine and russia
0: uh no
1: all right moving on to the next big thing then which i think will be a little shorter but still more of a conversation the conservative leadership race it's wild if you go to the um, like Wikipedia page of like all conservative leadership races it's like 2004 2017, 2019 2021 like one way long ago and then a bunch clustered together
0: well it takes time to pick your right leader
1: (laughs) apparently it takes
0: three leadership races
1: Third time's the charge.
0: Yeah, that's what they're going for.
1: Um so for a long time, like the conservative leadership race was announced day after Pierre Polyev announces he's running. Um we expected it. We knew he was gonna run. Um Pierre he he announced and imme- sorry, immediately He was endorsed by almost 30 current MPs. He has the most endorsements. Um, He has a huge social media presence. He was making a big name for himself. Um, He was making a name for himself when Andrew Scheer was leader. And it was expected he was going to announce to run to replace Andrew Scheer. He was all set and then withdrew. I don't remember why. Um, But now he's running. Uh, He is a big name in the conservative circles. And he's a big name because he was briefly a Harper cabinet minister, and he was kind of, um, from sort of what I've read and listened to about him, uh, he was briefly a Harper cabinet minister near the end of the Harper government, um, didn't make too much of a splash, but he's been shining in opposition for his fierce, vocal, angry attacks on the Liberals. He's had a variety of critic roles. Right now, he's finance critic, which is a big one. And he he he's called the conservatives' bulldog because when he attacks, he attacks, and it sounds angry. And the you know the significant portion of conservatives who are also angry at the liberals, they love it because Polyev is a no holds barred conservative. Um, he has appeal. Uh, you know, you actually look at his his track record on things. He is a social moderate. You know, he's not a social conservative, but his his fierce opposition to the liberals has appealed him to the more right wing part of the party and the social conservatives. And then he also has some of the more moderates um, that that are that like that but aren't scared off by his stances on some social issues. Um, huge fundraising already. He is perceived as the front runner.
0: But I, I, uh, I wonder if that's a mistake. Like I wonder I, what play is what plays in the Conservative Party going to play to Canadians? And I, I would say no. I don't know that. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misjudging the anger towards Trudeau across the country. I, I thought it was there last time, and he still won. So well, so, is it going to come off if, if the guy's angrier than, uh, than Aaron O'Toole? Are you going to get more votes or less? Uh, I would say less, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's interesting. What I wonder is if Trudeau is still leader at the next election, which he might not be. We were talking about last time. No prime minister since Wilfrid Laurier in the early twentieth century has won four elections in a row. So Trudeau might retire. Maybe we have Christia Freeland or someone as leader.
0: Um, but he, Don't you think his ego will make him run again to become like I, that since yeah, Laurier? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure.
1: I, I wouldn't I'm not sure you.
0: how selfless Trudeau is. Oh yeah. For the good of the party.
1: It wouldn't surprise me if he runs. He might get pressured out. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if he runs because I do think he's arrogant and filled with hubris. And yeah. Go.
0: He's running. Um, I, 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 almost, I would be absolutely shocked if he didn't. Absolutely well, shocked.
1: So if he runs, what I wonder is if enough people. Yeah. Even if there's, even if it's not anger, even if there's just people who are sick and tired of the liberals and want something else. It where it would almost not matter who's the conservative leader. If whoever wins gets carried to victory on the back of not being Justin Trudeau. I
0: think this is what I'm saying. I think most of the time I think that was is, is likely to happen as long as the the option is doesn't piss a lot of people off by yeah. being overly aggressive and angry.
1: That's true. And um, the other thing that might come back and bite Polyam in the butt is he was so supportive of the truckers. He went out, he took pictures, he brought them pizza. He said he's proud of the truckers, to this state, has never given an inch on the trucker convoy. He so closely aligned himself with them. And it's very interesting in contrast to the very, 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 very hard line he took against indigenous protesters on the railways, Wet'suwet'en, uh, Micmac fisheries, all that. Uh, I, I think in a campaign where Pauliev's leader, that will be brought up quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I, I have no doubt. I don't know. I don't know how it'll play overall. Yeah. How much of a, how much of an effect it'll have? It shows him as a hypocrite. I I mean you in general i think you're either yeah exactly it's, it's like interchangeable words but in general you should either be sort of pro protest or or you're you want controlled protest and i i think you have to be able to protest you have got to be able to to voice your as long as it's as long as it's peaceful i i don't have a problem with any of them yeah, yeah. and 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 the other thing is keeping in mind that in any protest you're going to get Angry people that that are the bad actors that that do things that isn't within the sort of scope of the of the protest to begin with. E- every protest, and yeah, and those true. you can't just show the worst of the protesters and say this is the protest because nine times out of ten it's not. It's you know most of them aren't there for that.
1: Yeah, so I think I I, I think um, with that and just in general, you know, in his. Angry criticism of the Liberals. Trudeau uh, or Polyev has said a lot of very strongly worded things. That that that's going to come back. That's going to once you look at you know when he's leader and he starts getting picked apart, I think it could hurt him. I don't know if he'll win. Um, uh, if he if he wins the leadership, if he can win the country, um, you, you know what we've seen is conservatives who play to the right in the party and then try to bring to the center it doesn't work it didn't work for Andrew shear didn't work for Aaron O'Toole don't know why it would work for Pierre Polyev, but it might he might just be graced by timing but you were saying um, you know maybe a more moderate voice would be better right well Jean Charet announced today that he is running to be the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. He almost ran last time, didn't, now he's running. Um, he was, was he the leader at some point? He was the leader of the Progressive Conservatives after, he was one of the two MPs that got elected right? Uh, when Kim Campbell's disastrous election. Right, right. It was him and one other person, and he became leader. Um, he, um, he, so John Charette's journey is he was in federal politics. He was a minister in Brian Mulroney's government, ran for leader of the PCs, lost to Kim Campbell. Kim Campbell um, was destroyed in uh, uh, an election in the, what was it, late 80s, early 90s, something like that. Um, I think it was 93. Um, so then John Charette became leader of the Progressive Conservatives, slowly started to build up um, the Progressive Conservative party again. Um, He's an MP from Quebec. Uh, So then referendum time, 1996, um, looks like, yes, let's leave, might win. So um, Cretchen really uses Charest to go into Quebec and um, convince them to vote against the referendum. And then once the referendum failed, um, Charest was essentially pressured from all over the political spectrum to go into Quebec, go into provincial politics, and basically heal the nation from within Quebec. And that led to him being... Never heard from again. Sorry? Never heard from again. Yeah. Well, he was was Premier of Quebec from, I I think, I want to say 2003 to 2012.
0: Yeah, Um, something like that.
1: But the here's the problem and here's what he's already getting attacked on um he was leader of quebec or leader uh, premier of quebec as a liberal premier he was leader of the liberal quebec liberal party and he's being attacked for that um from like sort of polyab supporters and just general conservatives polyab hasn't necessarily attacked him for that but he said he's too much like the Liberals. You know, Polyev saying we need a real conservative, we don't need someone who just wants to make us into another liberal party. What people don't understand is that up until very recently, up until like six years ago, the Liberal Party was the only federalist party in Quebec. Certainly the only viable one. Yeah. And it was a big tent coalition party of Whatever ideology, as long as you were federalist. Do you know who was in Jean Charest's cabinet? Tom Mulcair. Really? Yes. So NDP. NDP leaders Tom Mulcair was in the cabinet of Jean Charest because the Quebec Liberal Party, not as much now, but back then and for a very long time, was just a hodgepodge. It was of a catch-all.
0: It was it was non-separatists.
1: Yeah, because that was the politics of Quebec. You were a sovereigntist or you were a federalist above anything else, you know? And if you were a sovereigntist, you were Parti Québécois. And if you were a federalist, you were a liberal. And that's how it was. So Jean Charest didn't have another party to go to. That's yeah. not true anymore. Um, right now, you you know, the Quebec, the liberals are a federalist party but so is the governing CAQ. They're, they're, you know, the governing CAQ is strongly nationalist, very, you know, Quebec, we're special, but they are definitely not sovereigntist.
0: We're special and we want special treatment, but we want it from you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, it's different in Quebec now, and the Quebec Liberal Party is more like
0: the Liberal Party,
1: but Jean, Jean Charest led a very center-right Quebec Liberal Party. Um, but he's going to, but you know, it doesn't matter. He's attached to the liberal band, brand. He's going to suffer for it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, people are smart. I think if you, are they, the, well, the, well, the problem, it's the same problem that they have in the U S to some extent that we have up here. It's a lesser extent up here, but, but it's still there. And that is, you get your news from the source that you agree with so he can explain all he wants you know if you if you read the sun it won't be in there yeah if you read um, the star that's all that'll be in there
1: yeah um, he um, the uh, he also uh, when he when he lost as premier it was under a cloud of corruption allegations and misspent finances that investigation very quietly ended a few days ago
0: um or like last week or something how, how what how did it have it just ended they just stopped investigating well they they
1: they didn't find any they said everything's fine there's no charges to
0: be laid right right before he ran yes yeah no i'm sure that's not coincidental um, i'm sure that is coincidental
1: before, be, between being Quebec Premier and now running for Conservative leadership, he um, advised lobbyists on how to appeal to governments, including um, the company Huawei.
0: Oh yeah, he, he worked for Huawei. Um, the company that stole um, what was Nokia? Yeah, all their technology.
1: It wasn't Nokia; it was somebody else, uh, but a Canadian company.
0: Yeah, Nortel. Yes. Yep.
1: Yeah, them, and you know we were talking about Pierre Poliev. Uh, very active on Twitter, has released you know dozens of videos already about his various policy platforms. He has a huge social media following. Jean Charest got Twitter today.
0: <laughs> today. Today. Yeah, that's going to be good. That's worth so, a follow.
1: Here's the thing. I think, at least I'm looking at these other candidates. I think. Cheray probably has the best chance to win a federal election. We'll see how how he does um in, in this actual uh, uh leadership election. I was it, watching just a it, clip He, of he won't Tom do Malcair. well. Well, it's interesting. I was watching a clip of Tom Mulcair um uh giving an interview with CTV News and he said um you know, I'm I'm. Uh, I know John Charette worked closely with him. Uh, there's a lot to attack him on. He's not the most ethical person in the world, but um, but he's very organized, um, and he thinks that Jean Charette will wipe the floor with Pierre Polyev in the coming days. Um, so we'll see if that's true. What's interesting is I've also seen the argument. You know, um, sure he's polling well below Pierre Polyev, but. He's in second place, and he has been out of federal view of, of the national eye for ten years.
0: Yeah, I just think, I just think the conservatives are an angry party right now, and they want an angry voice. I just don't know yeah. how well that's going to translate once you go federal. Well, here's, but here's I don't think we can see it by there.
1: Here's an interesting federal poll. Um, Leger did a poll, and they asked their subsample group. Who would you vote for if Jean Charest was leader of the Conservatives, and who would you vote for if you were if um, Pierre Polyev was leader of the Conservatives? So Pierre Polyev, 34% said Liberal, 30% said Conservative, 21 said NDP, eight said Bloc, three said PPC, and three said Green. Under Jean Charest. 33% said Liberal, one less than under Pierre Polyev. 28% said Conservative, two less than under Pierre Polyev. 20% said NDP, one less than Pierre Polyev. 8% said Block, same thing, just Federalists who don't give a crap who's leading the Conservatives. 3% said Green, same as under Pierre Polyev. said PPC, 4% more than under Pierre Polyev. Yeah. So you can see there's the appeal, right? 4% of the PPC likes Pierre Polyev because that's the angry base. Yeah. And they'll vote PPC if it's John Charest. And that, I think, maybe looks good at the conservative numbers, even though uh, with Pierre Polyev, sure, more people are voting conservative, but more people are also voting
0: liberal and NDP. They went down by. They went down.
1: No, the Liberals and NDP were higher under Polyev than John Chret.
0: Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um,
1: not by much, but they were.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, Um, I just meant they went down with Chret. But the thing, I would say the thing about that is, Chret could get some. uh One sec. My computer keeps wanting to restart. Chret could get some some PPC votes. He also could get some sort of centrist liberal votes with a good campaign. Yeah. Uh, the other, the Pugliav is, it won't.
1: No. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. I'll be interested to see how Sheree plays it. Opening days, like he officially announced today that he's running um, his opening play. He, uh, he joined Twitter. Calgary.
0: Sorry. He joined Twitter.
1: Yeah, he joined Twitter, he announced in Calgary, he embraced pipelines, and he said that a Charest government might challenge the um, uh, anti-secularism uh, the, the secularism bill in Quebec. Um, they'll see something or another, I think.
0: Um, Aren't they all see something?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'll be very interested to see how Charest plays this. If he tries to play to the right that'll be interesting um i don't know do you know much i mean Sheree is a politician of your generation what uh what do you think of Sheree?
0: i don't remember at the time i think i thought he was all right i don't i don't really remember it was it was a while ago i mean it wasn't my wheelhouse generation like i I didn't i wasn't i didn't watch politics like you do when i was in my 20s (laughs) fair enough so I, I don't know. I don't remember. I remember thinking he was he was okay. I yeah. didn't mind him.
1: Like a like thing, a decent that's, guy. That's interesting because I've um I've seen uh you know, I look at the news, but then I also follow just a lot of like political accounts on Twitter of just average people who have a lot of followers. Um and uh you know, I'm hearing like I remember one guy posted on Twitter he said, um my grandparents have voted NDP for the past two elections and my grandpa's now getting a CPC membership to vote for Sheree.
0: Sheree's not in people, the CPC.
1: Uh,
0: oh, PPC. CPC, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, I gotta change that People's Party didn't CPC. It's too <laughs> close.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's like, Sheree has an appeal to people who maybe were progressive
0: conservatives in the 90s that are now liberals or even even as far as NDPs
1: yeah, yeah. people who are you know people who are progressive in the 90s who don't like the liberals so they vote NDP so it, it the, the the question can be um can he take those people who would vote for him if he were leader of the party can he make them conservative party members and get them to vote for him in the leadership
0: no I don't think so <laughs> Because this isn't the states, again, like, I think, like, I just, I don't know, I, I consider myself pretty average, and I have no desire to join any political party. Yeah, well, it costs money. Uh, but it's not much money. I just, I don't like any of them enough. So, and I like to be able to vote my conscience at the time, whether it be for whatever reason, you know, because I, I vote for different reasons for every election, depending on who I like or dislike more. Sometimes I'll vote locally. Sometimes I'll vote for the leader. Sometimes I'll vote for the party. Yeah. Like, it depends on the situation, where you're living at the time, who's running, who's who's leading the party, what they've said. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many, so much that goes into it. And if you're a member of a party, you kind of have to, you don't have to vote for that party, but it feels like you probably should. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I was a member of the Green Party for a number of years, and during all those years, I voted MVP. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. the, the Green Party's like, how come we never get as many votes as we have members? We're always one short. <laughs> Who is it? It's because of me. Who is it's
1: it? me. <laughs> it was me. I'm not a member of the Green Party anymore, but it was me. Um, the other person running again is Leslie Lewis. Remember Leslie Lewis? Yeah, I do. She's an MP now, and she's running. I think she, Polyev is mostly attacking Sheree. I think Les and Lewis will be the biggest pain in Paulyev's ass.
0: Well, it could be one because, of those things where they split the the sort of angry right, and Charey comes up the middle.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, Lewis is a social conservative. Her one endorsement is the Campaign for Life Coalition. She is a strong social conservative. She has accused uh, accused Justin Trudeau of trying to organize a socialist coup in Canada. She has made anti-vaccine statements accusing, um, saying children shouldn't get vaccinated, um, all these bunch of, you know, conspiracy theories. She is a social conservative, and she will be the social conservative's first choice, whereas if she wasn't running, it would have been Polyev. Yeah. And I, that that may not be enough for Share to win, but you know, Polyev's best chance was to win on the first ballot. Um, Leslin Lewis might ruin that for him. And the more ballots there are, I would say, the better a chance Shere has.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably.
1: Um, and then the la- but she's not going to win. I mean, she did surprisingly well in the last uh, um, one, but she will. I think her best case scenario is second place ever. Because she is either going to be people's first choice or like third or fourth. Right. Right? Because she's so polarizing. And the way you win these things is you're not people's second choice. Yeah. Um, the other guy announced is someone named Roman Babber, who is currently um, an MPP in Ontario. He was a member of the Progressive Conservative Party until he was kicked out last year for making anti-lockdown and anti-vaccine, um, comments, uh, enough that Premier Doug Ford kicked him out. Um, and he also, um, went through a scandal called the Babber Report, um, which, I don't know if you remember, it was in April 2019. Babber, um, was tasked by Doug Ford to review the government's autism plan. Um, his report was then anonymously to the Globe and Mail. Um, uh... And the government was forced to apologize to the families of autistic children because his plan um, um, would have harmed, like cut a whole bunch of support for uh, parents of the autistic children. Um, and so that's the two things Baber has going for him. He was kicked out of the Progressive Conservative Party for being too anti-vaccine and anti-lockdown. And... His report on the government's autism program pissed off people enough that the government was supposed to, was rep, supposed to apologize for it. Well, that might, that might work. I, I think he'll drop out before September 20th, which is the election day. He'll drop out. Probably. I think. Um, so that's everybody announced. Three more people are expected to announce very soon. Scott Atchison, who is nobody um he's grandma's mp he uh but is by and large no one doesn't have a chance in hell i imagine he'll drop out too um or at least if he hangs on he'll be one of the first people to be dropped off
0: do people just announce like to get their name out there maybe hey i'm running for the leadership uh, remember me
1: like it may- maybe it's one of those things where you run so then
0: the next election you hope people remember your name and vote for you
1: Yeah, or like you run this time to win next time, you know? Maybe. Uh uh and then again, and then here's another here's another blast from the past, right along Jean Charé, Patrick Brown is um Yeah
0: supposed to announce. That's it. Just run Brampton and don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, he's, for those who doesn't know, Patrick Brown, current mayor of Brampton, he was, he was the leader of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party, destined to be premier, about to go through the easiest election of a lifetime. And then he gets taken down by a MeToo scandal and forced to resign. He then tries to run for the leadership that he just resigned, then pulls out, then tries to run for the chair of a regional group, some sort of municipal-level thing that's slightly above the city council. Um, and then Doug Ford gets rid of those, and then he runs for Mayor Brampton and wins. Now he's looking at leading the Progressive Conservative Party.
0: He um, was never, like, convicted of anything, though.
1: No, and um, he was never convicted of anything. He was suing CTV News for defamation. He settled that
0: a few days ago. Um, so... Did he get money?
1: No, he didn't get any money. No money changed hands. CTV News... Did he get an apology? Um, uh, s- sort of. They admitted to um, not being entirely accurate in some of the reporting. Um, th- he. Uh, there was something about the age of the woman who accused him of sexual misconduct. Um, where she said she was underage, and then she said she was 19, and CTV News, um, Patrick Brown didn't like the way CTV News dealt with that. I think it was CTV News. And, um, allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. So anyway, he settled that. Um, he wasn't accused of anything. The 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 woman who accused him, and it might even have been two women, um, didn't have continued to to say that yeah it was CTV and no money exchanged hands um they they, they maintain their story As, as far as I've heard I haven't been able to find anything um uh yeah he was accused by two women of engaging in sexual misconduct which dated back to the time he was a federal MP um uh Uh, uh, people had said that they heard similar rumors um, in one instant there was an allegation that Brown exposed himself to a teenager and asked her to engage in oral sex after applying her with alcohol uh, the accuser alleged she was 18 year old high school student when it occurred but three weeks after the first public report she amended her claim to say that she was a year older than she had previously maintained and was therefore over the legal drinking age in another incident, Brown was alleged to have kissed the consent of female aid in his employee while in his bedroom. Um, Brown later took a lie detector test and claimed that he felt his name was cleared. No charges have been laid. And on April 23rd, 2018, he sued CTV for $8 million in damages. Um, but that has been settled.
0: For nothing, uh, which is a lot less than $8 million.
1: Zero is a lot less than $8 million. Yeah
0: in dollars yes, it, is.
1: it is uh it's it's true um anyway that's gonna hamper him
0: yeah i, I think you got well to me maybe did maybe i mean two two alleged uh, they're still saying maybe something yep. fishy went on there maybe i i don't know whether it did or not you know, you you're able to you got you got a you got a decent gig out of it. You're the mayor of Brampton. Why would you bring it all up again? I don't know.
1: there's so, that, and y- you know what else is like a non-starter. I think for his campaign as leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario, he supported the carbon tax.
0: Yeah, that would make it tough. Although you can change your mind. On things like that. I
1: think he'll try, but you bet Pierre Polyev is not going to let it drop.
0: Well, the other thing is <laughs> Kenny didn't support a carbon tax and what did he do?
1: He he sued the government over the carbon tax and lost.
0: But now he has pretty much a carbon tax and it's just not called a carbon tax in Alberta.
1: Isn't it the federal government carbon tax in Alberta?
0: Well, who? Notley had a carbon tax. <laughs> Uh, who was it then that, what conservative, was it just, uh, oh, no, no, sorry. It was just Aaron O'Toole's platform yeah. had another, uh, had another, they just renamed it. But it was the same thing.
1: Yes, it was.
0: Like, whatever you call, you don't, just because you don't, you know, but, but what, it arose by any other name or whatever. Huh? Y- you're
1: right. But that was one of the reasons why Aaron O'Toole was kicked out because he announced that after he was leader, and it pissed everybody off. Maybe That was not in his leadership platform. Right. Um, the other interesting thing is Patrick Brown, his like political idol, the man he looked up to and aspired to be when Patrick Brown was a little boy in his bedroom growing up, was Jean Charest. <laughs> That's and funny. And allegedly, Jean Charest and Patrick Brown, the Toronto Star reported this, have, like, a deal to ensure that one of them becomes leader. How? I don't know. I don't don't know the details. I tried to read the Toronto Star article. They wanted to pay me 99 cents. Tried to read a McLean's article. They told me I'd already read my five free articles this month and had to subscribe for more, so I couldn't read an article about it. Those are the only two I was able to find. But, what I would imagine, it's they both run for... X number of time, both sign up as many members as they can, and when the membership deadline passes, this is just what makes sense to me. I'm completely speculating here. When the membership deadline passes, sometime after that, whoever is the furthest ahead, the one who's behind drops out and throws all their support behind the one who's ahead.
0: Yeah, that'll be Jean Charest. It will be Jean Charest.
1: And then lastly, the other person expected to announce is Leona uh, Alslev. Do you remember her?
0: No. That, wait, she, did she want to build a snowman?
1: No, she didn't.
0: Oh.
1: Um, uh, Leona Olsliv, um, might be saying her last name wrong. She was first elected as an MP in 2015 as a liberal in 2018, I think it was. She crossed the floor to the conservative party. For a while under Andrew Shear after the 2019 election, she was the deputy leader of the Conservative Party. Um, she lost that position when Andrew Shear was kicked out. Uh, and then she lost her seat in 2021.
0: Well, that's a recipe for becoming the leader of a party.
1: Yeah, I, like I a, mean, pr- a
0: progressive a little... slide downhill.
1: Yeah, right. I think I just think it's it's so interesting to me to be a Liberal in 2015 and cross the floor before the next election. I mean, only because, you know, you weren't running for the first time when the Liberals had four years behind them. The Conservatives had been in power for nine years, and the 2015 was a very anti-Harper election. And the Conservative Party didn't change that much between 2015 and 2018. So why, when did she like, what happened that she was like, I'm oh, I'm not a conservative. I'm so much not a conservative. I'm going to run against the conservatives as a liberal in my riding. And then be like, oh, no, wait, I'm a conservative. Like, the happened?
0: only way she could win.
1: I, Apparently not. She lost in 2021. Well,
0: sure, no, but at that point, so she you read the tea leaves. The liberals are going to win in 15. So she jumps, joins that party. And they're happy to have her because uh, of the name recognition. And then uh, she walks. Cool. She really was a conservative all along.
1: Yeah, possibly. Anyway, i I cannot imagine that... I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't even end up announcing. Like, she set up a website already, but I wouldn't be surprised if she pulls back and doesn't even end up announcing. Because I don't know what chance she
0: thinks she has. I don't know. Like, Must be some sort of ego thing.
1: Yeah. If Paul Liev is already attacking Charest for being a member of the Quebec Liberal Party, which is not associated with the Federal Liberal Party... Imagine the type of attack she's going to get for being a literal member of the governing Liberal Party that the Conservatives hate so much and all the nice things she said about Justin Trudeau when she was a member of that
0: party. Yeah, but those were lies. She left. She hates Justin. Yeah. Her walk across the floor shows it.
1: <laughs> and then the last thing, Tasha Carradine, um was supposed, she was expected to announce for a very long time. Um, she was a uh, Conservative commentator very involved in conservative party politics but never actually ran um she ended up she withdrew and endorsed john charay before john charay even announced huh. um that's funny but good for her yeah so we'll see how that goes i i um I, i'm hearing a lot of you know this is the leadership to decide the soul
0: of the conservative party
1: and i thought that was the last one, I it's, thought that everyone.
0: The last one. it's everyone it's everyone everyone yeah
1: it's interesting i mean this is polyev certainly right now is a is ahead, head but i think these people entering especially uh sheree lewis and brown um is quite good for the conservative party because the more of a contest it is the more uh attention it's going to get and the, arguably the more more easily they'll be able to sign up members yeah. Even if Polyev is like looking like they're going to guarantee to win it, we'll see. And also, you know, you know, uh, Peter McKay had an early lead. Maxime Bernier won every ballot except the last one that mattered. Yeah. So, you know, every poll said Maxime Bernier was going to run away with it in 2017, 2018, whenever it was.
0: So it's not a for sure thing. No, absolutely not. You just never know. Like yeah. you said it's it's a second choice, yeah, you could be what the you could happen. be the first choice of the most people, but that doesn't matter if it's not enough
1: and, and you know people say you know Pierre Polyev has the most caucus endorsements two thousand eighteen aaron O'Toole had the most caucus endorsements he came in third two thousand seventeen yeah. he came in third, you know, like you never know it could be anyone, my money would be on Polyev or Sheree. Yeah. But you, you never know. It, it, it There's months, months for things to happen. It's not September 20th. That's when they're going to announce. That's lots of time.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. These things don't even lots matter of- till the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. Although they only have till April to sign up members. But still, I mean, you sign up a member... That doesn't actually guarantee their vote for you. I talked to I don't know if I told you this last election, I talked to our PPC candidate
0: yeah, in a he told, with it.
1: Yeah, he told me. Yeah. He told me that he became a member of the Conservative Party in two thousand and seventeen to support Michael Chong's leadership bid. Ended up voting for Maxime Bernier and followed Maxime Bernier into the PPC. Right. So people move around. People, you know, they shop around. Just because you sign them up doesn't mean you're signing them up for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I will also mention Michael Chong hasn't ruled out a run. My guess is that he doesn't run and he endorses Shiree. That's my guess.
0: Yeah, probably. Um, He'd he'd probably, it'd be good if he ran. I mean, I think he'd be a decent leader.
1: I think he'd be a decent leader for the country like as in he could win nationally he will never ever 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 win the party leadership it is not a party that actually it's not a party of michael chong's no michael chong is the furthest left member of that party currently yeah
0: Yeah. at
1: least that's an mp
0: i'm sure the dogs are going nuts downstairs i don't know what's going on maybe mom's home uh
1: well, I'll just mention, um, I have three things under a third category just called brief touch-ons. Um, Florida is getting a lot of attention for a don't what's don't, being called the don't say a gay, gay bill, where, um, they've banned any talk, like, like teachers aren't allowed to talk about or mention, um, anything to do with anything other than heterosexuality from kindergarten to grade three, um, and if a child comes out to them, the teacher is going to have to tell the parent. That's getting a lot of criticism um, because it can do a lot of damage.
0: How much How much sex ed is there from kindergarten to grade three?
1: Well, it's, like, it's not just sex ed. They can't even acknowledge
0: the existence of gay people. You know? Yeah.
1: Sure, grade, grade three, you're, you're maybe not, you know, running around thinking about relationships and... Some of the you know heavy petting kind of stuff, but you can get like funny feelings for people. And if you're a, a a little boy getting a funny feeling about another little boy, and you're like, "What is this?" and you go looking for answers, you're not allowed. Nobody's allowed to give you any. It's yeah, it, it, it's yeah, it's, quite damaging.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely like why would you? Uh, it's just it's just putting blinders on. 100%, but I just, I don't know how much they're, how much it changes, really. I don't know.
1: I, I don't know either, but it's But you're right, potentially
0: it, it seems to be, it seems to be the wrong thing to do.
1: Yes. Um, the, uh, the, uh, big climate change UN agency, um, released, uh, a report that critics are reviewing as apocalyptic, um... It's uh, the UN Secretary General called it, uh, this report on climate change, an atlas of human suffering and a damning indictment of failed climate leadership. Um, The report's message, climate change is already taking its toll on humanity at a grave cost. There's a brief, brief window where we can still mitigate it, but much more needs to be done and it's looking like it's gonna cost the world billions and billions of dollars many many lives and uh we're, we're all gonna just it's apocalyptic it's it's dreadful it's horrible it's the worst report that's come out and it's being entirely overshadowed by ukraine which to an extent i understand but this is a problem that we cannot let we can't let it continue to be overshadowed
0: Yeah, but I mean, I mean, that's that's you think uh, you think when you're waging war, you're worried about how much greenhouse gas you're giving off?
1: No, that's the problem. Yes. But
0: ultimately, nobody cares. Nobody's going to care. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Everybody sees it. Everybody sees the change. Everybody sees the difference. But nobody's selfless enough to say, yes, it's going to be this generation that sacrifices.
1: Well, that's the problem. It, it, it It's not something individuals can solve. 90% of climate emissions come from 100 companies. 10% comes from the individual actions of you and me. It's not a problem we can recycle and buy electric cars our way out of. It is possible to solve it. Like it's, it's so condensed into these 100 powerful companies that have such big webs of distributing the blame to other people, to individuals, to governments, to what have you, just diverting it away from them, making themselves look greener. And it's it's hard to take on those big companies, but and in the same way, that makes it so much easier to fight climate change if you just if the government just stepped in and forced those companies to do something
0: yeah but those companies make everyone's life easier and that's the problem is it's gonna nobody wants the short-term suffering for the long-term gain to be them they don't want to be the ones that are on watch because it's a you can see it now more than you ever could with the like crazy weather all over the planet that never used to yeah, happen.
1: Yeah, not on fire, it's underwater.
0: Yeah, like, you know, it's happening. It's 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 definitely there. These aren't stories that we heard about when we were younger. So there's no question of the change. It can't be denied in any way. But nobody wants to take the hit for doing what needs to be done because it is going to cost tons of money. It's going to put whatever countries are doing it under underwater. They're just trying to get out of COVID. Not literally underwater, but financially underwater and 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 you know that nobody wants to take that hit it's it's political suicide and mostly leaders just want to be in charge they don't really care about next time like not next time but next the next generation they just want to make sure they win their races
1: yeah well for now once more of the country's on fire i feel like they'll be pressured to do something admittedly it will be too late but you know it, 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 I just think you're right, but because you're right, we have to keep talking about it. We have to keep it in the national conversation. Most people know and want something done about climate change, but it's easy because it's not so immediate to let it fall by the wayside, to let it become your third priority. It can't. It has to be, that, with the exception of Ukraine. Ukraine can let climate change become their second priority right now. Everywhere else it has to be the first priority.
0: But the, it should be, but it's not China. It's not the first priority in China. It's not the first priority in India. It's probably not the first priority in Brazil that's cutting down the rainforest. It's the rainforest is about to be downgraded to Savannah. And it's likely not the first priority uh in uh in the US either. Yeah. I know it's it's And those are the I mean those are the biggest countries that are the biggest producers. We can do what we want here. We can pass all the green we can be the greenest country. We can have everybody driving electric cars powered by Niagara Falls and it won't make a dent.
1: Well, I, I think that's why I think we need to become a very friendly environment for green businesses. Because I think they're trying to kick up in the U.S., but they're not gaining traction. But if we create an environment for that, I think they'll uh, come here, they'll grow, and anything that grows here that becomes important eventually gets picked up by the U.S. So sure, they get picked up by the U.S., we lose it, boo-hoo, but something will happen. Maybe. I think that's the best thing Canada can do.
0: Yeah, maybe, but still, the U.S. is still really the third biggest problem. It's China and India are the first two. Yeah, but, you know. And Brazil. Actually, the U.S. is probably the fourth biggest problem yeah we'll see
1: very last thing um I, I feel like you probably need to go my computer is about to die this will be very fast um did you see that there was another you know during biden's state of the union there was another type of moment that you talk about all the time from the obama book
0: what what
1: the the one where the guy stood up and said like you lie
0: yeah yeah to obama. oh yeah, yeah the, so- the cinema and uh her crony there is that what you're talking about
1: no no uh, marjorie taylor green and lauren Boebert.
0: yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. that's what i meant yeah
1: yeah and Boebert stood up and you know um um biden made some comments about soldiers uh, somewhere or maybe soldiers who had died or something and lauren Boebert stood up and yelled something like you put them there yeah 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 and um, they heckled them and stuff yeah It's crazy. The state of US politics is crazy. They're I like I don't even they're not even on a path out of it. I thought maybe with the election of Biden they were on a path out of it. They're cracking down. I don't know where this is gonna end with them.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. You know what I I was just reading. No, they're nuts. They're 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 you're right. But it's not I mean that it's now commonplace. Not commonplace. But it's not like, that was sort of the first time it happened with Obama. Yeah. And that guy got super popular because of it. Yeah. These two are... I, I don't see them ever becoming super popular, to be honest. It's,
1: well, they're very popular within the Republican Party.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I don't know Why? how popular... what What's her name? Marjorie Taylor Greene is really... She's. I think people like to hold her up as a smoke screen. So that it's a, it's the same with Trump, right? They 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 have these big blustery voices that the, it, it's it's like a smoke screen for the bad stuff they're doing underneath and getting away with because nobody pays attention to that because of these people that are making all the noise.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. So yeah, that's I, I'm kind of I've been paying less attention to U.S. politics recently um, because it's just all so depressing. And there's nothing I can do about it.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: Sure. Mom, mom will be happy to hear that.
0: Yeah. Well, it, mom doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just was scrolling through my ground news feed. Just got a lovely new design and noticed that, just speaking of the U.S., Trump is asking his supporters to fund a new airplane after an emergency landing. Yes. So, So the billionaire who's constantly going on about how much money he has – is is asking his, let's be honest, relatively poor uh, base to buy a plane for him. And you know what? They will. They will. They will. They absolutely will. Which is just insane to me. This, is, this should be his downfall. This should be his downfall. This should be the moment where they go, wait a minute, I think I'm being used. <laughs> he tells me all the time how rich he is. How come I'm buying him a plane? But it won't be. It won't be. He'll get a new plane.
1: It, yeah, it's ridiculous. Did you see? He also he launched his new social media site.
0: Yeah, it launched, and then I think he like, I'm sure it's not called tweeting, but he tw- twatted something, and then uh, and then uh, that's it. Like one one sort of post. Yeah. And nothing else. And now it's down most of the time, I think, when he had tried to lock in. <laughs> it's an abject disaster.
1: Yeah. And then he's gonna run and be the Republican nominee again in twenty twenty four. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Probably. I mean he says it now. I'm still not a hundred percent convinced, but who knows? I
1: he's got such an ego, he has to. <laughs>
0: But his ego might keep him out of it, because he might lose. Yeah, like he's probably—I gotta believe he's gonna lose. Yeah, and he must, I, I, unless he truly believes that the election was rigged and uh, and stolen, and, and and he got and he legit unless he he legit believes that he got more votes than Joe Biden. <laughs>
1: The interesting thing is, I mean, Joe Biden is not approved of right now, but every poll still shows him beating Trump in a twenty twenty four rematch.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, it's it's not great. No, they they would be it'd be disaster, to to for the Republicans. But that's fine. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind disasters for Republicans either. All righty, well I should get going. Uh, We should do this again more frequently with the state of the world right now, but uh, we'll see when the next one comes along. I don't like to make promises I can't keep. Yeah, maybe, maybe two weeks, but we'll see. Alrighty, thanks for listening, and we will talk at you again next time.